With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Who is January Jones? She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones sharing success stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware because you are entering the no whining world of January Jones. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone who had a rare, incurable blood cancer? Well, I haven't, and we're going to meet someone today. Would you like to learn more about how it feels to be diagnosed with a terminal disease? Have you ever wondered about personalized medicine? Well, you know, I've never even heard that term before. Can you imagine being chosen for a clinical trial? It's got to be exciting and it's got to be very frightening. Tell me, do you know what a Guinness beer tastes like? (laughs) Well, I certainly do, and I'm sure most of you do too. Have you ever heard about inserting humor into a serious setting? Or better yet, would you like to meet someone who has some of the answers that we're looking for? Now, are you ready to learn how to be successful and how to deal with a terminal disease? If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions, 
then you are in the right place. And I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Today I will be introducing you to my guest. He is a success coach extraordinaire, and he will provide us with wonderful, informative lessons and some really, really great advice. I'm pleased to announce this show is now live on talk Media and syndicated on iHeartRadio Talk with over 50 million listeners and Blog Talk Radio with our show having over 1.8 million listeners today. We are archived 24-7 for your listening pleasure at iHeartRadio. Also, LinkedIn announced that my profile was one of the top 5% most viewed last year. Now, let me tell you about my guest today. He is a six-year survivor of a rare, incurable blood cancer, is effective e-patient and research advocate, sharing his own experiences, participating in many clinical trials at Dana-Faber. He recommends patients explore novel targeting agents, many of which are now in clinical trials, using genetic and genomic information to develop new targeted therapies. The road to personalized medicine, still under construction, might be safer and more effective than conventional chemotherapy. After a long career as an information technology research analyst, he has made the transition to research advocate in cancer care. He is a frequent event speaker at many industry and advocacy conferences where he shares an engaging gripping, and a hopeful story about survival. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Jack Whalen. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? Very well, January. How about yourself? I'm doing great, and I've been looking Excellent. forward to having you on the show. You know, my husband is in a clinical trial for Alzheimer's at the Mayo Clinic, so I'm very interested in your story. Before we go to that story, let's talk about how your success story began, where you were born, and who your early mentors were. Wow. Oh, that's, uh, well, I was born in the Boston, uh, Boston Massachusetts area. Uh-huh. Um, I think my early early mentors were my high school uh, grammar uh, teacher. I had a, a very bright uh, educator, um, uh-huh. who, and I, I would say he was probably the first mentor. Um, uh, you know, fortunately, I had a very bright, engaging dad. I would say, you know, I looked up to my dad over the years. Um, I, I don't know. I would, don't think there's any one that stands out. I think I've had many... I've had the benefit of, of many good mentors along the way. Okay. Now, do you still yeah, live in yeah. the Boston area, or have I, I you? I do. I, yep. I live north of Boston in Andover, Mass., and okay. uh, it's about a half an hour outside of Boston. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was watching the Boston Marathon all day mm-hmm. yesterday because two of my co-hosts and uh, sponsors, uh, Tom and Gracia and Jared Kraminski, were running in it. They ran last year, but, of course, they couldn't finish, and this year they obviously were able to finish. That was a pretty uh, amazing event, wasn't it, this last week? It really was, and uh, it hit home for me for the past 20 years. My family has had a table at uh, right near the finish line at Uno's really? restaurant. Uh-huh. And uh, my wife and three daughters and, and I, for many years, have sat at that table. And last year, 
Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, none of us could make it. You know, there was a Red Sox game. There was other things going on. Uh-huh. And it was for the first time in many years we, we hadn't been there. But um, everybody was there uh, this year. Oh, I'm sure, so, yeah. Uh, Boston yeah. strong. Yeah. Everyone turned out for that. Now let's yeah. talk a little bit about mm-hmm. how you first learned that you had blood cancer. I mean, what were the signs? Were yeah. you tired? Mm-hmm. How did it come on you? Yeah, I used to power walk every day from the uh, from the train station to the financial district. I, my career mm-hmm. was a was a financial analyst, and okay. uh, so I used to power walk every day. And I noticed uh, I was getting shorter breath. Um, it took longer to get there. It was more difficult, and I started to have a couple of small nosebleeds along the way. So oh. I could feel that you know this uh-huh. um, sort of afternoon fatigue was kicking in. I was drinking. Uh, you know, lots of coffee to try to stay awake. So I I knew that something was wrong, so I decided to go for that annual checkup. And, um, you know, that's when the doctor said, gee, let's do some blood tests and Uh then mention the word oncologist. So Uh uh, there were some symptoms kicking in. And that's a scary word for most people. Oh, absolutely. Now, how old were you when this happened? I was uh, was a young 57, strong, healthy, and, you know, good Uh biomarkers, all... You know, healthy and and in in decent shape, uh, and that you know I just didn't expect to have something like that. Now, was there a history yeah. in your family of something like this? None whatsoever. No, we're really we're fortunate. <laughs> yeah, everybody's been pretty strong, no problems al- along the way. So, um, you know, to be told it's you know it's rare and it's incurable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's funny when you mention the word terminal. I don't often think of that word because. Uh-huh. You know, we're we're all terminal, as you know. Some of <laughs> yeah. us are, you know. So, you so, know, it's so uh, I, it's so funny yeah. that word terminal. Whenever I go to an airline and they say yes. go to your terminal, I kind of wonder yes. what what that's all about. <laughs> right, right. But I, you know, I think more about it being manageable. You know, many uh-huh. uh, cancers okay. today, uh, they're you know, it's not quite as scary as it was a few years ago. And incurable doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, that there'll be an early death sentence. Um, that mm-hmm. certainly is possible, and it will certainly shorten your life. But, um, you know, I, I see a lot of opportunity and hope uh, sure. that these cancers can become manageable. Not all of them, but many of them. We're getting better. We're getting smarter than cancer. So um, that's, that's terminal for me is not quite as scary, yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear. Now, how does one go about hearing this? Does obviously your doctor wouldn't tell you this on the phone. So when he invites you to his office, does he tell you to bring a support system like your wife or children? Uh no, she didn't as a matter of fact. Um but it was uh you know, it, the message came across on the phone like uh-huh. um can you can you come in tomorrow? And <laughs> okay. you, know, is, yeah. you know, and and that was you know, that was, I think, on a Sunday. And is there <laughs> someone that can, can drive you? You know, that kind oh, of... Dear. <laughs> so there was yeah. this sense of urgency. And uh, interesting, my doctors are all she's. I have... Oh, really? Uh, you know, the, the doctor that discovered it uh, uh-huh. is with a smaller regional hospital. And the doctor who's currently treating it uh, from Dana-Farber is a she as well. So uh, mm-hmm. let's be careful with the he's. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay, I've got it. I'm a feminist. I love it. That's wonderful. Sure. Now, when you (laughs) did go to the doctor, when Mm -hmm. you went to see her, (laughs) did you go by by yourself? 
No, I, I did not. I, my wife went with me. And, um, you know, she had mentioned bone marrow biopsy, and there was a good oh. chance we might do it uh, during the first visit. So when you hear something like bone marrow biopsy, you, you yeah, assume that, you know, you're not going to walk out of there feeling really good. And, yeah. um, oh. so, now, uh, what did your, how did your family react? Well, you know, anytime you're told, you know, the the C word, it's scary. And sure. my three daughters, you know, all quickly uh, talked to Dr. Google, you know, looked up what is this. And uh-huh. the name of the oh, cancer yeah. is, is very rare. It's called Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. Oh, and my God. So I you, could never yeah, say it's that. That's the name. <laughs> right, right. So when you do the, when you do the research, um, uh-huh. you know, all of the literature and everything that came up showed that there was an average about a five-year outlook. And what's important when you go to the Internet to look for anything like that, remember that's a historical perspective. So, you know, looking backwards, it would have been five years, you know, after you began treatment. But today we're extending life quite a bit. There are a variety of new therapies emerging. And um, so if you were diagnosed today, it's not likely that you'd be told a five-year outlook. Yeah, you know, this, it's, it's really kind of scary with the Internet having that ability to look up all sorts of things. I know my husband was concerned about something, and uh, he went on the Internet, and it was horrible what he read, and none of it mm-hmm. applied to him. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. I remember my first doctor said, you know, none of us um, fit into these nice little pie charts. We're all individuals. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it doesn't necessarily apply. And although it's yeah. scary, you know, you have to look at it somewhat objectively and clinically. And I just had this feeling that science was going to serve us well. And uh, thus far, uh, so far, so good. Well, yeah. And now, how long has it been since the doctor made that horrible phone call to you? Yeah, it's it's just just about seven years now. So, oh, wow. Uh, I've participated uh, primarily in clinical trials. There is no cure for it. So. Uh-huh. Rather than, you know, borrowing chemotherapies from other blood cancers, I felt, you know, we should try, and, and I, this isn't a decision I made on my own. I certainly made it with my doctor, sure. you know, who is an investigator, a uh-huh. principal investigator, someone who looks at these new, new therapies. And so I felt that, you know, door number three looked like a much better option to me than <laughs> what we knew was behind door number one and two. Two, yeah, okay. <laughs> now... The clinical trials, um, yeah. you know, first, Jack, I'm going to take a break in here from our sponsors. Sure. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you get invited into a clinical trial and uh, this approach and what were your concerns. We'll be right back with Jack Whalen. Do you want to learn how to live into your dreams? One Door Closes, Overcoming Adversity by Following Your Dreams. The new book by Tom Ingracia and Jared Kredimsky captures the thought-provoking stories of 16 people from all walks of life who have triumphed over adversity to achieve their goals. Plus, you'll get 10 self-assessment tools to design your own blueprint for success. Unlock your true potential. Fulfill your dreams. Be inspired. One Door Closes is available from Amazon.com. Everyone deserves a happy life. Life is supposed to be fun. Your life is supposed to feel good and you're meant to feel happiness in your life and to satisfy your dreams. And you can. Because the only reason anyone wants anything or does anything 
is that they think they will feel better in the having of it or the doing of it. They think they will feel better in the experiencing of it. Coming soon, a website where you can learn more on how you can have the life you deserve at afeelgoodworld.com. I want everyone to know that the authors of One Door Closes, Tom and Gracia and Jared Kraminski, will be on the show next Monday, and they ran the Boston Marathon yesterday successfully. They'll be sharing that with us, and uh, I'm looking forward to ha- hearing about it. You know, last year they ran, but they were not able to finish, so this year they were able to finish, and it's a wonderful thing for Boston, and my guest, Jack Whalen, is from that area, and you were at the Boston Marathon yesterday, weren't you? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, tell me a little bit, Jack, about the Dana-Faber Institute. This is a new name for me. I, I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, the, the correct pronunciation is Dana Faber, um, Faber, and Faber is named after a, a fine um, oncologist named Sidney Faber, who um, uh-huh. started the institution. You may have heard of the Jimmy Fund. Uh, this was back in the early 50s, um, and he was on a television program and um, you know, talking about incurable cancers for uh, for pediatric, you know, pediatric cancer, specifically uh-huh. leukemia. So he raised a lot of money, and uh, basically that was the, the start of the institution. It um, started with a focus on the most difficult of cancers, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, you know, perhaps one of the, the world-renowned um, cancer treatment uh, research and treatment centers. Um, and luckily, and- you know, being in the Boston area, I was able to, uh, to be, you know, be treated there. Okay, so that's in the Boston area, and um, now how do you get, uh, what's the drill for getting into a clinical trial? I know my husband had to go through a lot of interviews, and they were very specific about what they wanted and did not want before he was accepted. What was it like for you? Yeah, it, it, um, well, as as I mentioned, Dana Faber um, it's primarily a research, uh, you know, an academic institution, a research institution, and much of their work is centered on research uh, and novel agents or new new therapeutics. Mm-hmm. So to participate in a clinical trial, there's really a sort of a matching capability. They'll match the type of blood cancer or solid tumor cancer that you might have with uh-huh. uh, what's currently being studied. Um, it actually uh, is not difficult to get into a clinical trial. There, uh, you know, there's a number of questionnaires. They're looking at a profile of certain types of patients, but it's more a profile of the type of cancer that you have that matches a variety of the trials that are underway. And there are, you know, different phases of the trials. There's an early phase, like a phase one, uh-huh. that might be limited to 15 patients, and then okay. phase yeah. two might be a larger group, and then finally yeah. for phase three and four. So it's not difficult. Okay. Well, I guess maybe it's more difficult to get into an Alzheimer's trial. Did you have to go for a personal Mm -hmm. interview? Oh, yeah. There's there's a um, a lot of, uh, you know, questions that are asked. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. um, You know, in addition to basic diagnostic tests that are performed. So, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a good matching uh, that's done up front. Um, And the problem, January, there are many myths and misconceptions about clinical trials. Mm-hmm. You know, you may remember in the the, the movie Love Story, yeah. when uh, all oh, of yeah. poor Jenny was dying of blood cancer, and Oliver says, "You know, can't we get that girl into a clinical trial before she dies?" You know that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And that's one of the myths about it is that uh, clinical trials are not a last resort. Sometimes they are uh, one of the first or the best treatment options available. Um, you're okay. not a guinea pig. A lot of a lot of people think that you know you're a guinea pig and uh, or a lab rat, and it's right. not that at all. You're you're not carefully that. monitored. Yeah. Sure. Now, um, tell us why you chose this approach, and what were your personal concerns and your family's concerns when you chose this? Yeah, the the um, you know because it's a rare cancer, there is no uh, chemotherapy designed specifically to manage it or cure it. So. Um, traditionally, we borrowed from other blood cancers, whether it was mm-hmm. leukemia or lymphoma or myeloma. And mm-hmm. uh, borrowing those, um, you know, the outcome was not all that favorable. And I, I really felt that um, to borrow, you know, sort of this empirical approach that says try one until you find one that works, yeah. um, this, this is how you run out of things. So I felt that, you know, a, a more targeted approach. And What's happening now is, you know, with using genetics and genomics, we can actually look at, you know, the DNA, what causes these translocations that actually cause the, the cancer. So okay. if we can target at the DNA level. I know I'm getting techie here, but uh-huh. the whole idea of trying to match a therapeutic directly to what's causing the cancer, it just made more sense to me to target it at a molecular level rather than, at a cell level. It just seemed to, to make more sense. Okay, and so this is where the yeah. term personalized medicine comes in, right? Exactly. It's uh, personalized or precision medicine, and what we're <laughs> okay. doing is looking for a therapeutic that, that is matched directly to your particular disease rather than to a general population that has that disease. Yeah. Okay. And, that's, and uh, you know, what were it, your... It is, mm-hmm. When you signed up for this trial clinic, did what were your personal concerns, and how did your family feel about you doing this? Yeah, I think the you know the number the, the primary concerns for everyone are safety and efficacy, or you know the effectiveness mm-hmm. of the drug. Um, right. Safety is you know really important, and um, no matter what type of chemotherapy you're getting, uh, safety is going to be an issue. There are adverse effects or side effects that you. Uh, that you have to look at. And you have to be careful about um, the type of chemotherapy. I mean, it's it's affecting you in many ways, not just losing your hair or having gastro issues, gastrointestinal issues, but in other ways, these, these therapeutics can hurt. So um, the safety, you know, what would the effect of these types of therapies be? And then the other thing is, will they be effective? You know, can we yeah. slow the progression of the cancer cells? So that's the first thing that I think everybody um, shares, and that includes, you know, your oncologist, you know, your sure. physician, your family. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. About so now when you went issues. into this therapy, the clinical trials, mm-hmm. how yep. often did you go? Did, they make you, did it make you sick, and did you lose your hair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it started off with a procedure called plasmapheresis, which is basically... <laughs> Um, I wow. know another one. It's yeah. one of the one of the January. One of the benefits. Of, there's only one real benefit of getting cancer, and that is you learn these very long words. And as we say in Boston, <laughs> you sound wicked smart. You know, yeah. So, so uh, but you can, I mean, uh, some of these words blow me away. There's no way I'd know them. These are amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, the, you know, for for doctors, however, they're very precise. Many of them. You know, their genesis is a, is a Greek word, so for them it's a very precise 
language for, for yeah. the rest of us that sounds very complex. So, um, so anyway, the the um, uh, the first process was this blood filtering, where they basically hook you up and your your blood is filtered. These um, uh-huh. macroglobulins are removed, and it kind of reduces a certain number of plasma cells that anticipates when you're going to get an infusion of some therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ant- anticipated this sort of this flare, and uh, so uh, there was a series of those. I think that went on for maybe three or four months. Okay. And then in the infusion room, it was about uh, once every two weeks on a Friday afternoon, I'd go in and get the infusions and be sick okay. perhaps uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then <clears throat> be back in the saddle by Monday. So overall, n- not too too bad. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the things that you see on TV in Hollywood, you know, people getting really sick, um, we're doing a much better job now managing these adverse mm-hmm. effects. Um, you know, you don't quite... It, it's not quite as bad as you see in the movie, although sometimes it can be. And that's yeah. why I relied on a lot of humor along the way. Well, you know, I love the fact that you brought humor into the equation. I went through this with my best friend, and she had three years of pancreatic cancer. And I sat with her through the chemo and uh, the hair loss and all of the things that go along with it. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough ride but you were lucky mm-hmm. you had a supportive family with you every step mm-hmm. of the way, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct, yeah. 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 That Very makes good. a big difference, good. doesn't it? it? It sure does. It's it's sad to see, you know, I would sometimes see a patient come in alone, you know, arrive oh. by way of taxi yeah. and sit in the infusion chair alone, and uh, yeah. uh, that's the first time I ever thought about advocacy. You know, you kind of wonder who's looking out for that person. and. A lot of times it's older folks that just don't have somebody with them. They don't have family or friends with them. And uh, Well, you know, this uh, having an advocate, I just found out with that, my, what I went through with my best friend. When you're that sick... If- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You don't have an advocate there to talk to the doctors, to understand what's going on. It's it's really scary because uh, people who are that sick, they're not capable of doing that, are they? That's right. In fact, you're, you're hearing less than half of what the doctor's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, if mm-hmm. you have right. somebody with you who's taking notes and you say, did you hear what, you know, what he or she said? Um, so you're absolutely right. Somebody uh, who can ask questions because you're, you know, your head is spinning a little bit too. You're kind sure. of, you know, your, yeah. your brain is processing these other things saying, well, am I going to survive or, yeah. you know, there's, there's an incredible amount of fear happening. So, um, you're oh, absolutely yeah. right. Having an advocate's important. Yeah. That is so important. So. Now, so, um, how long did it take before you lost your hair? Well, I didn't lose my hair. Actually, oh, my, my okay. hair was Thin. And um, it's funny, I'm at that age where I still, I still don't have gray hair. So everybody now thinks that I dye my hair. 
uh, it did get thin, but I never, I didn't lose it completely. So uh, uh, that, I was lucky uh, that that just didn't happen. Well, so, you know, I always yeah. tell people my next life, I want to come back with a thin body and fat hair. <laughs> mm-hmm, that will work. <laughs> that works. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors, <laughs> and we'll be back with our wonderful guest, Jack Whalen, sharing his journey through cancer and uh, an amazing story of courage and grace. We'll be right back. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have fearlessly shared their stories, their struggles, and their successes? People who have priceless personalities? In my new book, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, I am honored to be able to share with you people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, starting over, self-esteem, and workplace issues. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They will amaze, amuse, and even astonish you. You will adore getting to meet them at Amazon.com. My book is now available, two-for-one, paperback and Kindle editions. Are you a fitness professional, a trainer, or a coach? Would you like consistent and timely updates on your team's performance? We have a completely customizable app that can give you real-time information via the internet or your handheld phone. Track the performance of your client's progress with their physical fitness regimen. Track team members' performance or schedule a workout session. Meet up at the gym, on the bike trail, or wherever your physical activities take you. The app is called Socially Fit or SoFit and can be found on the iTunes Store. Look for the blue Socially Fit icon. When combined with data analysis capabilities, you not only feel the effects of your fitness routine, you also see the graphical progress of your results. The app makes the complex simple, so that more of your time is spent sculpting your physique with less time tracking your results with old-fashioned pen and paper. Download it today to begin a new year with data to show your progress in meeting your goals. Are you socially fit? I hope all of you will become socially fit this year. That is my intention. I'm pleased to have Jack Whalen back on our show, and he is an amazing guest with an amazing story. Jack, share with us about the energy. Uh, You know, so many cancer patients are so weakened by this disease, they can barely function. What did you do to uh, get your energy level up? That's a good question. Um, one of the one of the popular drugs that many cancer patients get is something called uh, prednisone or dexamethasone. Uh-huh. Um, these are steroids that sometimes they help the cancer um, <clears throat> that help the the sort of the slow the progression of cancer and also help the um, therapeutics be more effective. So um, anytime I got the um, prednisone, I got this incredible infusion of energy. I remember. Uh, Washing my car under the moonlight one night, so there were there were some crazy events. I I dug a, a garden in the backyard. I wanted to get fresh fruits and vegetables. I had this crazy idea to go dig a a, a garden, which I've never done before. But um, so there were these periods of uh, incredible strength that came along with the uh, 
the prednisone. I think there's some of the lingering yeah. effects. I get these bursts of energy. Um, but <laughs> that, that is a real problem. You might hear the, the term bone tired, where you're just so tired you put your yeah. head down on, on, on the couch. I remember this afternoon fatigue. I never uh, took naps, but during uh-huh. uh, the, when I was in treatment, um, naps were, you know, quite regular. So um, uh-huh. I think there are things that you can do, you know, from a dietary standpoint to try to help build the stamina. I continued to, you know, try to walk and exercise as much as I could. But um, uh, it definitely, it beats you down. Your, you know, oh, your, yeah. your blood system just doesn't carry the level of oxygen that you need and your, your immune system is weakened. So you're, often you're flight, you know, you're fighting a little, some kind of a virus or other infections. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed every week there would be an envelope with, uh, with a new virus, a new infection that, uh, yeah. uh, that would come along because your immune system was compromised. So, oh, yeah, sure. it does beat you down, but over a yeah. period of time you, you, you do recover. Oh, that's that's interesting. I'm happy to hear that you do, you can beat it. You know, let's talk about your legislative and political work. Uh, you know, I'm interested in that because uh, next month I have a U.S. congressman coming on my show, and also I think in later in the summer I have another one coming on. Uh, what have you been doing with the government as far as uh, this program? Yeah, this is um, this has become important for me both at the uh-huh. state level, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and now at the federal level. As uh-huh. our government gets more involved in health care, um, uh-huh. our lawmakers need to be educated. They need to be brought up to date um, about the policies and legislative actions that they take. And often they unwittingly legislate us into a corner and make mistakes. Um, we sometimes, our laws don't keep up with the state of the art in technology. I'll give you an example. Um, today, if you get chemotherapy, typically your insurance company pays 100% reimbursement. Okay. But, uh, and that's because chemotherapy is generally administered at a hospital by way of infusion. Well, there okay. are new generations of chemotherapy that are coming out in pill form. Oh. And rather than sitting in an infusion chair, which yeah. might cost you know, over a million dollars a year, if this sure. pill form may only cost $20,000 a year. Well, the problem uh-huh. is the pill form is considered pharmacy coverage rather uh-huh. than hospital coverage, and there's a 30% coinsurance, which oh. means the patient pays a very high dollar amount. And uh, there are many, uh, you know, regulations like that that we've mm-hmm. unwittingly backed ourselves into the corner. Um, you know, the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, um, has overlooked some issues of the state of the art, um, you know, the introduction of biologics, these new types of therapies, um, you're not getting sure. complete coverage for that. There's also something important for seniors. It's called the donut hole, which is there's a period of coverage two years after you begin collecting your Medicare, which uh-huh. is the insurance for which you've paid your whole life. There's a yeah. period of time where we don't provide complete pharmacy coverage. And it's very expensive for seniors. On average, oh, it's sure. five to six thousand dollars a year. So, right. um, the the reason I'm involved is that the patient's voice is very effective when you talk to lawmakers. They can, people can, uh, you know, commiserate with you, and it resonates well. So, when you mm-hmm. talk to lawmakers um, who are keenly interested in what's going on, um, they listen. And uh, so. I've yeah. spoken down at the State House in Massachusetts quite a few times and uh-huh. also in Washington, D.C. I'm going back to Washington in a couple of weeks. I'm Wonderful. Before the Senate, yes. 
Well, these are questions yeah. I'll bring up when I have the congressman on my show because I'm making a list of yeah. things to mm-hmm. talk to Definitely. them about. Um, when yeah. we were researching um, your invite, we, we you wrote that you'd rather have a Guinness than wine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I drink yeah. the wine, W-I-N-E, yeah. and Guinness yeah. beer I'm very familiar with. So tell us that story. How did Guinness become into your uh, profile? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, I'm I'm not a big uh, beer drinker, but uh-huh. I, you know, I, if I do have a beer, I like a Guinness, and I think sure. it might be because we did a family tour through Ireland a few years oh, back, and we wonderful. we drank incredible quantities of Guinness, and always <laughs> felt pretty good after. But um, you know, going when you go into an infusion room, uh, it it looks scary. Um, you see these you know people sitting there in the chair, and sure. and you're yeah. kind of worried, and so. My feeling was um, really to add humor, um, pretty much like you do yourself. Um, and I just had this idea of hanging a bottle of Guinness beer on the infusion rack would be very funny. And it, it is. It was. It was the nurses or the oncology nurses had never seen anybody do that. And then other patients who were sitting nearby are looking okay. at you saying, gee, why does he get a Guinness and I'm getting chemo? You know, so... Uh, so I, I relied on humor. I once had a, an empty pizza box, and I sat in the chair, and I said, I'm not one of you poor cancer patients. I'm the pizza delivery guy. So <laughs> a little bit of humor along the way works, works wonders. Oh, I know. I know exactly what you're saying, because that is what gets you through those long hours watching the mm-hmm. drip, 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 yep. and mm-hmm. trying yep. to keep everyone up and happy. And then I think the hardest part is when you go regularly – and then all of a sudden, someone is missing from the circle, and mm-hmm. everyone has yeah. a sadness that just hangs over mm-hmm. us. It's difficult, yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm all for humor. I'm all for thou mm-hmm. shall not whine. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And humor yeah. gets I, you through so many things. Now, how did your family feel about it when you were walking around with the Guinness beer and the pizza box? <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's. You know, it, it conveys a message to them of confidence. I think when people uh-huh. are funny and you have time to be humorous, um, you know, it, it kind of exhibits that you're confident that the outcome is going to be positive. And uh, I know. it's yeah. sort of like, you know, uh, whenever I feel afraid, I whistle a happy tune. It's, it mm-hmm. really is that approach. You're, you're covering your fear. Anyone who tells you there's no fear uh, is not telling the truth. There's always oh. fear associated with it. But um, yeah. I think, it, you know, it displayed you know, confidence. And I, I've been very confident. You know, I've, I've relapsed uh, four times now and I've been what's called <laughs> refractory, meaning I don't, you know, don't respond to certain therapeutics. But nonetheless, uh-huh. I am betting on science. I'm convinced that science will find a solution to this. I've had many periods of what they call progression-free survival. So even when there is relapse, um, there's an opportunity to rebound. And I've been fortunate to, uh, to you know, to get through these relapse periods, which I'm into right now. I just found out uh, about two weeks ago that I've relapsed, and I'm going uh-huh. to start some kind of new therapy soon. And again, this confidence in um, you know what's coming down the pike uh, really serves us well. It's uh, much sure. better to be to have faith that science is going to come through rather than be fearful of it. 
Oh, what an amazing story you are sharing with us today. I can't begin to thank you, Jackie. We're going to hear from a sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your advocacy work and your life on the road and some of the TV shows you've been on. I'm so impressed with you. You're amazing. We'll be right back with Jack Whalen. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Whine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Whine at Amazon.com. What is AATH? The Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor is a nonprofit, member driven international community of humor and laughter professionals and enthusiasts. AATH provides its members the education, cutting edge resources, and supportive community they need to excel in the practice and promotion of healthy humor. AATH welcomes anyone who is interested in learning more about the application and benefits of therapeutic humor. Members include scholars, psychologists, counselors, nurses, social workers, physicians, educators, clergy, hospital clowns, and many others who incorporate humor in their life and work. AATH was created to disseminate information about humor and laughter, laughter play in well-being, provide a caring, supportive community of humor professionals and enthusiasts. Check out our AATH at www.aath.org today. Welcome back with my wonderful guest, Jack Whelan. And Jack, I forgot to include your website information and any of that that you would like to share in the last segment because I was so fascinated with your story. Could you share your website info right now? Yeah, it's very simple. It's jack Whalen W-H-E-L-A-N.com. And um, you can go to the website and see a little bit of information about uh, blood cancer and and uh, some of my stories on there as well. Okay. And so basically what you shared with us is that when you ha- that when they tell you you're in relapse, that means it's time mm-hmm. for a new treatment, right? That's right. It means you're going backwards a little bit or you're not making progression, you know, not progressing ahead. So uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Not, not all that uncommon in blood cancer circles. Many blood cancers are not curable. Um, many are curable, but uh, when mm-hmm. you have one that you know, is recurring and comes back. Um, the word relapse is not all that uncommon. And how many relapses have you had? I've had four. Um, four, okay. And that's, a, that, that's enough to scare anybody. <laughs> yeah. going, on to my, going on to my fifth now. So it's not, I don't like to use the word routine, but it's not quite as scary as it sounds. Um, uh-huh. I just, well, I seven, just seven. I have confidence. 
Yeah, seven years out is an amazing statistic, and I'm very impressed with you. Let's talk a little bit about how you became a TV star. And you were on Good Morning America, the Today Show. Uh, Gosh, I'd like to go on those shows. How did you do that? Well, it's, you know, they were in conjunction with some commercials that Dana Farber did. Okay. Um, It's interesting, these, these larger academic centers are reaching out uh, around the U.S., they're competing, uh-huh. you know, Mayo Clinic and MD Anderson and Memorial Sloan Kettering. These large institutions are competing on a national scale. So uh, Dana Faber ran a series of commercials that, uh, uh-huh. fortunately, I was in the commercial. I was the, <laughs> okay. uh, one of the patients. I was the guy in the red golf shirt. And, uh, <laughs> okay, I love um, it. <laughs> so they, they, you know, said, Jack, what do you normally do when you're getting out of an infusion chair? So <laughs> the cameras were rolling, and the first thing I did was hug my nurse. And oh, they, they weren't you. expecting that, but that, that made it into the commercial. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and she, was, she was particularly nice, so we had to shoot that one over many, many times until we got How it right. Cute. That's oh. wonderful. Now tell us but, about um, uh, your connection <laughs> with the Boston Red Sox, which we, who we all yeah, are cheering a, for. <laughs> yeah, the Red Sox, um, the Jimmy Fund is the, perhaps the largest um, charitable fundraising uh-huh. operation for Dana-Farber. They raise more money than any other charity. And, you know, Dana-Farber is lucky. It benefits from so much charitable work. And the Boston Red Sox is the primary sponsor um, of the Jimmy Fund. So there's a very close relationship between um, the management, the organization, and the players um, and Dana-Farber. So uh, I was fortunate to, you know, get involved in their annual telethon every year they have a radio and TV telethon, and so uh, as a result, you know, I got to meet some of the players and many mm-hmm. of the TV personalities. Sure. And, and of course, if you give me a microphone, I'll, I'll continue <laughs> yakking away as I am now. So yeah. <laughs> they said, you know, get us one of those guys that's not afraid to talk. So, talk. Yeah. Well, uh, who course, is? Tell me, who is Jimmy? Well, Jimmy was a was a young uh, child that had a, a type of blood cancer. Uh-huh. And uh, Sidney Faber, who is the founder of Dana Faber, um, mm-hmm. went on to a television program. I believe it was What's My Line? And oh, okay. he was talking, yeah. about, um, <laughs> yeah. talking about finding these agents that could cure leukemia and, uh, you know, uh-huh. talked about the urgent need to do fundraising. And I think on that one TV program, they raised somewhere around $2.5 million, which back in 1950 was a lot of money. Yeah. And that $2.5 million is what was used to build the original uh, Dana-Farber building. Okay. And uh, at that time, when children were diagnosed with leukemia, there really wasn't very much that could be done. So it was all about research. And little by little, leukemia, which at one time was the most deadly disease, and today we have a very, very high 90% cure rate with leukemia. And I think it's principally as a result of the work that came associated with the fundraising with Jimmy Fund, the Jimmy Fund. That's amazing. I was just at a conference in Vincennes, Indiana, at the Red Skelton Museum Performing Arts, and there was a segment there about his little boy, Richard, who died of leukemia at 10 years of age. So many years ago, uh, the word leukemia was a death sentence, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yep, there's... um um, for especially for you know pediatric or young children, it was sure. uh, a terrible uh, situation, and uh, we're getting so much better. As I said, we're getting smarter than cancer, and um, 
especially in uh, with with children's cancer. We're we're doing so much better these days. Oh, this is such good news that you're sharing with us. Now, uh, let me see. We have three. Oh, no, we actually have two minutes to go. What does mm-hmm. success mean to Jack Whalen today, as we speak, having you on our show? Yeah, the first the first thing I think about, of course, is family and friends. Um, mm-hmm. I'm f- fortunate to have a you know a great family. I've got a good wife and three wonderful daughters, three granddaughters. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, you know what it's like to have grandchildren, so don't get me started, as they say. (laughs) But I I think, you know, uh, collecting a a fabulous uh, group of friends, I think, is very important. So those those two, I think, are are most important. But I've been fortunate over the years. I've had a good career, you know, good job, good friends, um, Mm -hmm. good care, certainly. So counting my blessings, um, you know, I, I think that, to me, is what... Uh, success is about um, along the way. I've been very fortunate to do some of the right things uh, to make life uh, easier and fun. So um, I think fun I'd have to put up there on the top top of the list as well. <laughs> well, you're yeah. right there with me, Jack, because, you know, I feel grandkids are my reward for not killing my children. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You can always hand over the keys at the end of the day and go home, you know. Yeah, you couldn't know. do that with your own kids. Yeah, and someone once yeah. said to me, are you, you know, happy you had children? And I said, well, yes, I'm thrilled I had children, but I wished I had started with grandchildren. It would have been mm-hmm. much yeah. better. So much easier. It is, definitely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a delight sharing you with my listeners, and your message is wonderful, powerful, and courageous. To my wonderful listeners, we hope you've enjoyed our show today, and my upcoming guests will amaze, amuse, and astonish you just like Jack. This is the show where you hear information that will help you to become successful and healthy too. I would love to welcome you to our no whining world where you and when you can sign up for my website januaryjones.com with your name and email and you can download free the first two chapters of my last book. We love sharing our stories, our struggles and our secrets for success. It's our hope we can encourage all of you to emulate our guest. Remember my mantra, if you think it, then you can do it. So for now, dear friends, please stop with the whining and then start smiling and then share our show with everyone you know. And if that doesn't work, start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate, or you can have a Guinness beer with Jack Whalen. How does that sound to you, Jack? (laughs) Sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll have you back on the show again. This is January Jones thanking you for joining me today on my journey and reminding you to take care and stay safe. I do. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. 
Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.